Welcome to another edition of the Cool Stuff Ride Home Podcast. I'm Marcus Paff, joined as always by Reggie Rizzo. Coming up on today's episode, a nearly extinct animal making a comeback in captivity. Plus, the two-year-old who's smarter than Reggie and I combined. I feel awful saying that. And Peruvian archaeologists make a fascinating discovery. All that, plus This Week in History, coming up on another episode of the Cool Stuff Ride Home Podcast. Great news for animal lovers. As per a Reuters report, another Sumatran rhinoceros was born in Indonesian, or rather in an Indonesian sanctuary last week. That's the second birth of this critically endangered animal at the reserve this year. Sumatran rhinos are the smallest and hairiest of the five existing rhino species. And if you're wondering just how endangered the Sumatran rhino is, well, there are thought to be just 34 to 47 of them still remaining in the wild, all of them in Indonesia. This per the International Rhino Foundation. To pull directly from the IRF's website, quote, the IUCN SSC Asian Rhino Specialist Group reports that there are up to four isolated populations and as many as 10 subpopulations of Sumatran rhino left in Indonesia only one of these wild populations is believed to have enough individuals to be viable. Uncertainty is and has been the key word for tracking Sumatran rhino population trends over time, as this reclusive species seems to disappear further into dense jungles. Direct sightings have become rare, and indirect signs like footprints are getting harder to find, end quote. And here's another interesting fact, quote, there has been no evidence of Sumatran rhino poaching found for over a decade. There also have been no naturally occurring carcasses discovered either, making the species disappearance even more of a mystery. The beacon of hope for the species is the breeding program at the Sumatran Rhino Sanctuary, a protected semi-wild facility in Sumatra that has produced three calves and continues its breeding efforts to create an insurance population of rhinos, end quote. Now, the Sumatran rhino is the only Asian rhino with two horns and can grow up to five feet tall, weighing between 1,100 pounds and 2,100 pounds. The front horn is larger and typically measures 10 to 31 inches in length, while the second horn is smaller, typically less than three inches. The latest live birth was the result, or a result rather, of natural mating per the Rhino Foundation of Indonesia and produced a male calf weighing about 55 pounds. His mother, Delilah, was born in the same national park back in 2016. A female calf was born there back in October of this year. Indonesia's environment minister, Sidi Nurbaya, said in a statement, quote, the birth has somewhat affirmed Indonesia's commitment to conserving rhinoceroses, especially the Sumatran rhino, end quote. Some fun facts about the Sumatran rhino. For the IRF, they tend to live between 35 and 40 years. Gestation lasts approximately 15 to 16 months, and cows are believed to give birth to one calf about every three years. They live in dense tropical forests, both lowland and highland, mainly on the Indonesian island of Sumatra, and are considered opportunistic feeders with a varied diet that may include more than 100 plant species. Their distinguishing features from other rhinos include fringed ears and reddish-brown skin, as well as variably covered with long hair. So, good news, of course there, Reggie, to see that there are efforts being made to preserve what is an otherwise uh, critically endangered species. Yeah, and the rhinoceros is always an interesting species because they can run fast too. You don't, you wouldn't think so, 
with their size, but I believe the average rhino, I don't know about this version of it, but can run about 30 miles per hour. Oh, wow. Yeah. So don't yeah. make one mad is your point. <laughs> yeah. If, if you ever go on any type of safari or anything, don't get out and get your picture taken with it because you're not going to escape. Well, hopefully you and I wouldn't do that, but one person who wouldn't is the child you're about to tell us about. One of the newest members of Mensa is breaking records. That's because she is the youngest member ever allowed in at the age of two. Wow. I, definitely, I was not doing anything like this when I was two. I was probably struggling still to walk at the age of two, <laughs> knowing me. <laughs> like most of us, this is yeah. wild. Still figuring out how to use a fork, you know, things <laughs> like that, a cup without spilling. <laughs> that Those are my accomplishments. <laughs> Isla McNabb from Crestwood, Kentucky, was allowed in after scoring in the 99th percentile for her age group in the Stanford Binet Intelligence Scales. Mensa has 140,000 members in over 100 countries. It is also the largest and oldest high IQ society in the world. In order to become a member, individuals have to be in the top 2% of the populations on a standard IQ test. Now, the Guinness Book of World Record is the one that's uh, measuring this accomplishment. And they recognized her feet and said her parents knew that she was clearly smart. Ever since they brought her home, they always said she was focused and paid great attention. Uh, but everything seemed ordinary until she began learning. Then she started learning colors, numbers, and the alphabet at the age of one. Wow. Her parents, yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Wow again. I'm going to say wow a lot as you read this, I think. I'll try to keep it yeah. to myself. Her parents added that on her second birthday, she received an erasable tablet from her aunt. She sat down and started writing the names of different colors and animals like dog and cat and was able to read them back. Then she started placing toy letters, you know, those little plastic toy letters you can find everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, she started putting them all over the house, spelling out the words and matching them to their objects like they'd put C-H-A-I-R on chair. I actually had to think that through for a second. Chair on a chair. <laughs> you know, write out the word sofa and put that on the sofa. She also tried it for their cat named Booger. Um, so uh, she, <laughs> Why she, not? She, yeah, she tried spelling C-A-T for the cat. The parents had a psychologist that uh, specializes in gifted children test her. He normally doesn't test children as young as her, but made an exception due to her talents. Since getting the results back, the family said they learned there aren't many resources available for gifted children. And that's one of the reasons why they wanted her in Mensa, because it's a tightly knit community and they hope to gain some information from other parents in the group on what opportunities are available for Isla. Her parents say Isla, now three years old, takes pride in learning and excels at reading and is very good at math. She also started learning the alphabet in American Sign Language. Her parents didn't know where she started to pick up on that, but that's another thing she just started doing. They hoped to get her accepted into kindergarten early, which you'd think they would allow that exception, but you never know. Her father, Jason, said there is a large learning curve when it comes to raising a bright child. Quote, with my other children, if I didn't want them to know what I was talking about, we could just spell things out in front of them. But Isla picks that up right away. He added it can be difficult to reconcile the fact that she has the personality of a child her age, but she's so advanced in other ways that she sometimes thinks she's on par with adults, which as a parent, you know, that can be a struggle. When the, the children think they're on the same level as you, they start to maybe be a little more stubborn in certain ways. Let's put mm -hmm. it that way. Yeah, I, I totally believe that that would be well, well, amazing as this is, I'm sure it presents some challenges. First of all, let me just say the fact that she 
picked up American Sign Language despite not living in a household where that's regularly practiced? Is, yeah. It's I, just uh, incredible. When I read stories like that, I always think, man, I wish I had the ability to just gain an interest in something like that and just pick it up in no time. She's doing it at three. I... I, I couldn't. No, I'd fail. I'd I know. Fail. <laughs> I know. I'm always saying I need to learn another foreign language. And then here's Isla just, oh, yeah, I did that uh, yesterday as a three-year-old. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Unreal. But, you know, the, the thing that I, I often think about with kids like this, and you mentioned trying to get Isla into kindergarten early, is the social element. I just I'm sure that's difficult because you're trying to balance, okay, she's two. And as you said, has the personality uh, or, or three at this point, but has the personality of someone that age. How do you reconcile ensuring she's making friends and socializing with people her own age with similar interests, while at the same time ensuring her intellectual side is tested and pushed? Well, the story did mention, I don't know if I mentioned this part of it, but she has friends. And if you didn't know she was, you know, a genius, they said, you know, everything seems ordinary. She plays with her friends, so there's no. But but I are guess. her friends like 27 years old, Reggie? Or <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> She's her best friend is a 96 year old man who plays chess with her. Uh, Isla was down at the coffee shop again, talking about uh, local politics and world events. The story made it sound like her friends were her age. So she she socializes with kids her own age. Probably a name to keep an eye on because I'm guessing we'll hear that name again in, say, 15 to 20 years for some amazing accomplishment. Well, archaeologists in Peru made a significant discovery last week, unearthing four mummies of children believed to be over 1,000 years old. The find occurred in what was once a sacred ceremonial space, now situated in one of the oldest neighborhoods in present-day Lima. The children, discovered on a Monday, were found alongside the remains of an adult. Now, researchers suggest these individuals belong to the Ichma culture and thrived on Peru's central coast before the rise of the Inca Empire in the broader Andean region. The excavation revealed some remains positioned at the base of a staircase on a small hill suspected to have concealed a temple in ancient times. According to Luis Takuda, an archaeologist in Lima's Rimac district, the temple likely dates back 3,500 years. Takuda emphasized the significance of the entire area as a crucial ceremonial chamber. During the Ichma period, the people inhabiting this region considered it a sacred space using it as a burial site for their deceased. Now, Lima has a present-day population of around 10 million, with approximately 400 archaeological ruins, Peru's major archaeological sites. These are traditionally found outside Lima in locations like Cusco, the former Inca Empire capital that succumbed to Spanish conquistadors in the 16th century. So more to come on this story, but always fascinating when finds like this are made from, of course, ancient cultures. Yeah, it always surprises me. And the fact that we keep finding them, that we haven't found everything. I mean, how long have we been searching for all this stuff? And there's still so much yet to find. Yeah, and it amazes me that the things that are concealed by dirt and debris that have built up, of course, over thousands of years, like the temple referenced in this story. How many things are we standing on top of at this point that we just can't get to without knowing they're there? Pretty wild. 
Taking a look at this date in history on November 29th, 1877, Thomas Edison demonstrated his hand cranked phonograph for the first time. Also known as the gramophone in the UK or later known as a record player in the 1940s and most recently labeled as a turntable would be allowed. Hmm. A lot of people call it nowadays. Who would have thought Thomas Edison was the first DJ, Reggie? That's right. Need a residency out in Vegas for this guy. Edison's in the house. Um, (laughs) Edison demonstrated it at the USA Scientific American office, the first of many demonstrations of the phonograph worldwide. Edison patented the phonograph on February 19th, 1878, which was the start of audio recording and was very advanced at the time. Now, while Edison had the phonograph in the 1880s, Alexander Graham Bell introduced the gramophone with several improvements over the original. The phonograph was the primary source for commercial audio until the 1960s with the invention of eight track tapes coming in, followed by cassette tapes, compact disc, and now digital distribution. However, in the 2000s, turntable saw a revival, especially for DJs, collectors, and some audiophiles out there. I'm still sitting here thinking about Thomas Edison DJing a set at a nightclub and everybody holding up their light bulbs as... Yeah. As, yeah. as he plays, <laughs> you have a big light bulb. Yeah. Is this he is one of those DJs that wears a big hat or you know face so you can't see who he is? Oh yeah, maybe he could wear a giant light bulb yeah. like Dead Mouse or Marshmallow. Yeah. He goes by Doctor E. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Cool Stuff Ride Home podcast. Hopefully you found the stories interesting, but as always, you can email us with questions, comments, or things you'd like to contribute to the show. Coolstuffcommute at gmail.com. I'm Marcus Papp. He's Reggie Rizzo. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.